order. We expect these additional 200 million doses to be delivered this summer. And some of it will come as early, begin to come in early summer, but by the mid, by the midsummer, that this vaccine will be there. And the order, and, 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 and that increases the total vaccine order in the United States by 50%, from 400 million order to 600 million. This is enough vaccine to fully vaccinate 300 Americans by end of the summer, the beginning of the, of the fall. But we want to make, look, that's, I want to repeat, it'll be enough to fully vaccinate 300 Americans. To what is Joe Biden gibbering on about? What is he ever gibbering on about lately? And in fact, I take no pleasure, or very little pleasure at least. My pleasure is not at the clear macular degeneration that's happening to Joe Biden. That's sad when it happens to anybody. My pleasure is watching the media making excuses for this guy. All the while, it's incredibly, increasingly clear that even the people around him recognize that Joe Biden is not fit to govern. Welcome to a brand new episode of the National Pulse podcast. I'm Raheem Kassam, editor-in-chief of thenationalpulse.com, broadcasting to you from Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. It is Tuesday, February the 16th, the year of our Lord, 2021. And it is Pancake Day where I'm from, so do me a favor, have yourself a stack of pancakes tonight. And yes, I did say tonight. I know pancakes are usually a breakfast food. Usually a breakfast food is at least as far as Americans are concerned. But I remember coming home on pancake day from school and we would either have or have bought in pancakes. It's, it's, a, it's a whole thing. I won't bore you with the details of it. Look it up. Pancake day is a thing. One of, the, one of the great British traditions I want to impart to my predominantly American audience, I realized, and I had a, actually, I had a phone call with one of my uh, uh, British Lifetime National Pulse members last night. Uh, we're getting through the calls for those of you who are members of the nationalpulse.com who support real news and investigations that we do over at the nationalpulse.com. You can just put a forward slash support on the back of that URL and find out for yourself what that's all about. And something I really want to know what that's all about, uh, that's the question I'm always asking about phrases and sentences and the trailing off that we often hear from Joe Biden. It doesn't seem to have escaped the people closest to him either. How could it? It now appears that Joe Biden is being replaced on phone calls with world leaders by Vice President Kamala Harris. She had a phone call with President Emmanuel Macron of France. The readout went on the White House website as if it were with the President of the United States. Just just chill, completely fine with that, apparently. I understand that it's not uncommon to have vice presidents speaking with world leaders in in kind of policy settings and meetings and public places and settings like that. But for your first, what are they, a month into this, less, 
to have the vice president already standing in for the president of the United States on these first phone calls with other world leaders is is unprecedented. I want you to understand the gravity of all of this. And I and I want our guest, I'm going to bring our guest into the uh, conversation here as well. Mike McCormick is uh, the author of Joe Biden Unauthorized. I want to bring him into the conversation here, if we can. I'm now, I'm now, there we go. I love it when the phone rings there and uh, and we get the actual sound of me dialing somebody into the conversation. And I especially like when they don't pick up and I just have to ad lip. Mike McCormick wrote this book, uh, Joe Biden Unauthorized and the 2020 Crack Up of the Democratic Party. Mike, do we have you? Yes. Hi, Raheem. How are you? I'm so glad you answered <laughs> because I actually had you on the line before and we lost you. Mike, thank you so much for joining us here today. I was just talking about uh, Joe Biden unauthorized and you can get that, ladies and gentlemen. So just a fantastic, fantastic book. It's uh, JoeBidenUnauthorized.com. Mike, I was talking to our audience just a moment ago about this story we've got up on the National Pulse about Kamala Harris actually stepping in for phone calls with world leaders. I want to get your immediate thoughts on that. I played a clip. I don't know if you heard it. I played a clip of Joe Biden rambling about the vaccine and how they're going to get another 100 million vaccines and the 100 million vaccines is going to vaccinate another 300 Americans. And he didn't say it just once. It wasn't just a slip of the tongue. He said, and I repeat... That'll be enough yeah. for 300 Americans. Mike, what is going on? You know, I... So, very unusual that she's making phone calls to these world leaders. I mean, Joe Biden would make phone calls as vice president to world leaders. They'd read those out occasionally, but it wasn't the primary world leaders. It wasn't our main allies, Canada and France. And I think, I think this is... They're trying to work her in to the rotation. She's getting, uh, you know, her feet wet with world leader calls. Looks like they're trying to rush her in there pretty quickly. When you say rush her in there, I mean, there's there's a lot on the calendar. There's a lot coming up. You guys, uh, if, you, if you want the inside baseball on the way media prioritizes these things, go and look at the AP planner. They actually tweet out the forthcoming events that the, the media are, are looking to cover. I think they, they actually have that as a Twitter account now. So what's coming up in the future, Mike, that they're looking they're looking at the horizon and they're going, oh, we, you know, Kamala really, really needs uh, some firsthand hands-on experience with world leaders uh, because of what? Well, the big event every year is the G7 uh, or G8. I don't know if they're going to let uh, Putin back into it. That's in June. Usually it's uh, physical attendance by all world leaders, uh, G8 countries. So so Macron, France, and Canada uh, are both G8 countries. So is she going to call Germany? Is she going to call uh, Japan, the other G8 countries? And if she starts doing that, then it's probably a lead-in to the fact that they want her to do that. It may be a virtual event. And that's, that's another thing that they're doing, is he's doing all these virtual events. You know, I don't know if they're going to have an actual G8 this year. They mm. may try the virtual event, uh, the, the pro- format. It, it, that is an interesting point because as a lot of these people now pivot to let's reopen everything as a, at least a rhetorical 
uh, statement. I don't actually have the belief that they have the intention to do that at all. Uh, their their great reset is 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 quite well known, and and we know that they they prefer completely. You know, it's never it's the never waste a crisis thing. It's it's completely changed the focus of the economy. Completely try to uh, usurp the order of the way that we've known things for so very long, and the way people like to 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 behave in their lives. I think most people like to leave their houses most people don't like to wear masks walking around so and we know the establishment likes that whatever you're uncomfortable with ladies and gentlemen they love okay it doesn't, it's not even that they have a preference for mask wearing or the closure of schools they just like anything that keeps you on the back foot mike so so it's an interesting concept of them having this g7 g8 whatever it's going to be over a, a zoom call or whatever you know park the Chinese Communist Party implications uh, of of using using platforms that are linked to the CCP for a second, but it's interesting uh, as a concept if they bother to meet in person or not, and it kind of gives Joe Biden an out either way. If it's in person, he can turn around and say, "Well, I'm the president of the United States. I want to lead by example, show people that it's not time, it's not ready. So we're going to deputize that whole thing. I'm an older guy, Kamala's younger, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We're following the science. She can go along to it and represent the United States." And if it is a Zoom call, Mike, if it is a Zoom call, then it's not within the kind of um, optics that they would prefer for the president of the United States to be sitting at a desk with a webcam in front of him. So in that scenario, it makes more sense to put Kamala there. So either way, Mike, I'm seeing a path for her taking the lead uh, with other world leaders. Right, exactly. If I recall, last year, they were going to have the... um the G8 was going to be in, like, around David. And I think they wound up uh, as, like, sort of a virtual call. But, I mean, if they do that again, they're surrendering so much to do that again. And, I mean, are they doing it because they don't want Joe Biden to be outed? Are they doing it because Kamala Harris has to have her hand in the pot while it's happening? I mean, you know, They've, they've got the, the Biden White House has to make clear why is she doing this world leader call? It doesn't make any sense that she's handling it. And the other thing was he did a world leader call, they said the other day, three hours with President Xi. Right. That's the reporting I saw. That's a huge amount of time for him to spend on the phone. It would suggest to me he's certainly capable enough to go out and stand in front of the White House press corps and do a press conference for an hour. If he can handle the world communist leader, the CCP leader, hmm then he can handle White House press corps. Why don't they push him on that? But can he handle the leader, Mike, or is the leader handling him? I mean, is, is, is the marathon nature of that phone call a testament to the uh, relationship between the two men and the priorities of, of Joe Biden? Or is it simply a testament to how long Xi wanted to keep him on the phone to work him over? I, I frankly had my doubts that it was a three-hour call. <laughs> I, I, I just don't, Maybe they took I don't a nap together. Happen. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, Biden could do a three-hour call at this point in, in his uh, of his presidency, and you know, then that that raises the question: if she knows how long the call was, and we're getting that it's three hours, what are they really doing? What are they telling us? I mean, the only people that know who the actual call was on were the White House people mm. and the people that received the call. I mean, it's I, I'd like to see some some reporters pushed them on was it really a three-hour call how do we know this 
So our guest is Mike McCormick, the author of uh, 15 Years of Deplorable and Joe Biden Unauthorized. Mike was actually the uh, former White House stenographer and 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 worked in the Obama Biden White House. Not not for am I correct? Not for the government, Mike. No, I was a contractor uh, at first. Although at the end of his tenure there, we got uh, federalized, so we became oh, wow. federal employees. Oh, which wow. wasn't a good turn for me. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> like that. So, so Mike, your your insight into this is having been around the man, having um, flown around the world with him, and and you and I had a had a. I hope you don't mind me telling people we had a lunch the other day um, because I, I wanted to understand more from you about about what you saw, what you experienced. And I think you have a wealth of information that hasn't even come to light yet. By the way, the book is phenomenal. I encourage and implore everyone to get it. Joe Biden unauthorized and get it from JoeBidenUnauthorized.com uh, because. Uh, Mike actually donates 10% of the sales uh, to the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund. So there's a good reason to buy directly from Joe Biden, unauthorized.com. Uh, Mike, um, let's let's do a little, a little reset, just like the Biden administration has wanted to do over the last couple of days, the regime, as I call it. He's, he's wanted to do a mini reset. Let's do a mini reset here. He's obviously not himself, and to, the, to to what extent we don't know. And actually, in a lot of cases, Mike will rely on people like you to to tell us that. But in addition to that, what we've seen over the last couple of days, you're completely correct to point out the the G phone call that whether it was two hours or three hours or two and a half hours or whatever it was. Because if you think back to a year plus ago, just a year and a bit ago, we were told that Donald Trump needed to come out with the entire transcript of his phone call with the Ukrainian leader because somebody in the White House, who was basically a national security apparatus holdover for the, from the Obama administration, went to their uh, inspector general and said, hey, uh, something was wrong here, I'm going to whistleblow on this, and it created this not just huge news cycle, it did create a huge news news cycle, but it also created the entire foundation for the first impeachment and acquittal of President Donald J. Trump. So three hours, two hours, even if it was 20 minutes, why can we not see a transcript of that call? Mike, I want to stress this to the audience, after that long a call, we got a one paragraph readout from the White House. Yeah, I'm, I'm just so suspicious of that. I mean, I, I uh, read a lot of readouts of Joe Biden calls over the years, and he does tend to go on and on on the phone, but I can't see him three hours on the phone with President Xi because Xi's got more important stuff to do. And, you know, I just, the whole thing to me smells of there's, there's a manipulation there behind the scenes. They're manipulating how badly off he is. You know, uh, Nora O'Donnell had an interview with him at the Super Bowl. Mm. She talked about how that interview was going to be 20 minutes long. In the end, it was only 12 minutes, 45 seconds. And so they had obviously edited a lot of it out. And I think they edited out a lot of goofy stuff that he did and pitches and catches and, you know, things that he couldn't would that's, make them look bad. That's a buried lead. So you're telling me that it was billed as a 20-minute long interview and they cut like 40% of it? Yeah, because she did an interview with, uh, like a promotional interview with another CBS reporter. She goes, well, they gave us 20 minutes. We're going to have 20 minutes with the president. But on the YouTube version that I saw, and I'm pretty sure that's the official version, it was 12 minutes and 45 seconds. So where'd the eight minutes go? 
Wow, on the cutting room floor, we we need to press to find out what was in those uh, what was in those uh, remaining minutes. Mike, when the former president, when Donald J. Trump used to give these sit down interviews, whether it was with Jonathan Swan at Axios, everybody remembers that meme where he handed him the piece of paper, or, or whether it was any of the other uh, the the networks. I mean, the president was criticized for walking out, you know, an hour into these interviews. And the Biden team are giving 20 minutes, of which 12 ends up on air. Mike, to come back to the central point of all of this, and I take, again, I take very little, I take no pleasure in the in the mind of Joe Biden uh, uh, being clearly whistled away by by father time that is sad when it happens to anyone it's especially scary when it happens to the commander-in-chief but i do take great pleasure in pointing to the uh, opposition side which is predominantly the media it's not even so much the democrats the democrats actually have seem to have quite a few problems with joe biden themselves uh you know way from way back in the primaries all the way through to the uh, Twitter account that you see up there nowadays saying Biden voters posting their L's, right? It's the ones that all these people who voted for Biden and now they regret it. Um, but I do enjoy watching the media trying to make excuses for this thing because there's no excuse now for it's not just his his stutter, right? I'm I'm not making fun of a man with a stutter. We'll not do that. What we just what we played, which was that clip of him gibbering on about the 300 Americans that are going to receive 100 million <laughs> vaccines into their arms, Mike. You can see him, you can see in real time him lose his train of thought in the middle of that sentence and he ca- he struggles to make it back. Right. Yeah, you really see his, you know, all of a sudden it's like he go- his thought goes off a cliff and he's just kind of sitting there with a blank look on his face. And you know, I've been looking over some old um, videos of him just from a few years ago. Mm. He has really diminished, even over the last two years. And, I mean, Nor O'Donnell would have as good an idea as anybody. She's the only one that's had this one-on-one sit-down. She's been in there. But personally, I, I think she's got a personal liaison with him. And uh, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to come out with an article uh for National Pulse about uh, kind of a background event that he used to have that she was a big part of. I think she's covering for him. And I think there's a lot of uh, Washington press are covering for him and have been for several months. And frankly, that's not what's supposed to happen with journalism. They're supposed to tell the truth, not cover up. So so why would they be? And, and let's talk about this article that you're working on. I'm really grateful that you're working on it uh, uh, with us, and, and we look forward to, to publishing it for our, for our audience. This is an exclusive insight into not just the mind of Joe Biden, but the world of Joe Biden. What would be making those reporters so friendly towards the man? Well, you know, Joe used to have, back in his vice president days, they put together a special outing for press, but only the, they picked only the press. It was only the press they wanted, and they picked them based on whether they were, you know, friendly reporters or not. And now those are the reporters that are in CNN, they're in ABC News, CBS News. Nora Donald's one of them, and they wow. had this pool party at the vice president's residence. It was a special pool party. It was very uh, exclusive, and if you got invited, you were in the special group. Well the people that were invited to the special group are basically the ones that rolled over on the Hunter Biden laptop story. Wow. 
Wow. Just to say that I didn't even realize before we hopped on today that Nora O'Donnell was one of the, you may have told me, Mike, but you know, my brain's in a million places. Um, yeah. it, Nora O'Donnell it was one of these people that went to, what was this thing called? It was called the Biden Beach Boardwalk Bash. There were three pool parties. and I mean, it was a very big day for these guys. They would go out, the vice president and his sons and all their kids, grand, his grand, the vice president's grandkids, would go out to the vice president's residence. They had a big pool there. It's a nice area. And they would invite these uh, Washington journalists there with their kids to have a pool party. And basically, they'd run around and chase each other with big squirt guns and play in the pool things like that. It was a great day for the kids. So the, the, you know, the reporters loved having their kids. Not only did they get access to the vice president, but they got sort of this special treatment. Well, over the years, it became a big deal to be invited to this thing. Nor There were three of them, 2011, 2014, and 2016. Nora Donald went to all three of them. And one time I was in a White House interview she had with Joe Biden, and she looked at him and she goes, oh, the kids had a great day at at the party the other day he's like oh great yeah that's great so it that really struck struck me as saying you know what this is a big deal to these reporters they're really cashing in on this and joe biden is the one that actually cashed in on it and you know over exclusive coverage that was extremely lenient I've loved kids jumping on my lap. I've loved kids jumping on my lap. I've loved kids jumping on my lap. <laughs> just, uh, you just, you've reminded me of the of the, the corn pop uh, clip, so I had to play it there. So the Biden be the Biden Boardwalk Beach Bash. Biden Beach Boardwalk Bash. Yeah, it's Biden a Beach Boardwalk Bash. And just so people know that we're not inventing this thing and that Mike McCormick's not just, you know, trying to sell books or something by inventing these stories. Can, can it be corroborated in any way that these things happened? Yeah, I've got the visitor logs for the white house. All the names of the journalists are in the visitor logs. We'll be releasing that in the article. Um, we may have to do two articles. We may do one article just sort of explaining the general idea of it. And then a second article, look, cause there's a lot of them looking at all the journalists who are involved. I can give you some of the headline names. Nora O'Donnell, Jake Tapper, um, Chuck Todd was there, CNN, Blitzer, Gloria Borges. All these people were there. And, you know, I I used to travel with these guys. I can tell you a few stories about, you know, I'll do that in the second article. We'll tell a couple stories about how they were treated on travel and, you know, the exclusive access they got because, and then because of, uh, you know, their they're falling coverage, really. Now, the reporters will say, well, we didn't do anything wrong. We're going to where the power is. That's the job of a reporter to go in, make friends, develop source networks, and then, um, you know, neutrally and impartially report on those subjects. And that's the critical part that's missing, isn't it? Because they, they do all the rest and nobody would, nobody actually, I would not even criticize them for doing the rest. If I was invited to the Biden beach walk, boardwalk, beach bash brigade whatever it is i would go along but then i would go along with the view of um you know if it was off the record sure you're off the record but you develop sources and that allows you to do better reporting in the future if it was on the record or on background or anything like that you would expect to hear some reporting on the back of it which of course there wasn't any so so 
the critical part of this isn't that these people even got invited or went along. It's how they treat the Bidens and the Biden family and things like the laptop, the hard drive from hell afterwards. And as you say, Mike, and as I, I guess you're going to explain in the uh, in the article that's coming on the National Pulse in the next couple of days, um, they, they have been treated a special way for so very long, and they are now repaying that favor. Yeah, that's right. Hunter Biden was, was part of this party. So they're out there having a pool party. Their kids and Hunter's kids are having a pool oh, party together. The and Biden Boardwalk Beach blow bash. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. And, you know, that <laughs> oh, gives man. them that, that, that sympathetic coverage. They're like, oh, this is Hunter. He was so nice to my kids. And that's what, you know, that's where it becomes. It's that swampy journalism move that happens in Washington. Mm. They get the exclusivity and then, you know, the Bidens leverage it. And then it becomes, you know, we don't get the real story about what really happened with Hunter Biden and his laptop and what happened with Joe and Hunter and uh, the Burisma Holdings. I mean, if they're having a, a pool party and they're having this exclusive access, did they ask him about the Burisma Holdings uh, appointment that his son was in? I mean, it happened in 2014. That's when the news was all breaking right around then. It doesn't sound like they did. It sounds like they just went there and danced around and, and didn't really hit the issues that they could have hit on. They just sort of went the lenient way. And there's no, they're not looking at the, the Harvard Belfast Center where Jake Sullivan was. They're not looking into any of these things that actually would be and should be front page reporting. Uh, it would have been front page reporting if these were, were Trump appointments. And in a lot of cases, they didn't just do that and they didn't just go overboard with that. But in a lot of cases, they made up stories, invented stories uh, about, I mean, the number of corrections. Somebody should do the mathematics on this. Maybe we'll get in touch with Newsbusters or something at the, the Media Research Center guys but somebody should do the mathematics on how the rate of corrections and 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 article alterations and all of that spiked during the trump administration because news outlets which by the way don't even admit to retractions or corrections on the best of days still had to so much more than they did under any other modern day president or administration mike i think it's i think somebody needs to crunch the numbers on that one but I want to come back to, to before we let you go, I just want to come back to the, the, the broader point here, which is that Joe Biden, uh, unfortunately, sadly, you know, this, this happens to a lot of people, um, does appear to be in a state where he isn't fit to govern. So why are we not hearing those, those magical two numbers that we heard so much in the, in the, in the Trump administration? 2-5, the 25th Amendment. Why, why do you think that we're not hearing more, given the fact that he's out there so blatantly obvious for everyone to see that he's unfit to govern. Well, it's that's going to be the, the behind-the-scenes tension of, uh, of the next several months. But Joe Biden and his core group are determined to keep their position in there. They, they didn't work as hard to get tossed out after two or three months. Mm. What I think Kamala Harris is trying to position herself to get as much experience on the on, that she can to get next assignment that she's being groomed for. And there's a probably a group of people headed by Barack Obama behind her, pushing her to get that exposure. So right now, there's a bit of a civil war going on in the White House that no one's really talking about. But you've got the, you know, the Kamala Harris faction versus the old Joe Biden stand-up. And we'll see, you know, how long that struggle goes. I'm sure Joe Biden would want to 
you know, uh, serve out his entire term. I don't think he will, but I don't think he's going to leave as quickly as they want. Interesting. Interesting. Mike, tell me. have the capacity. Sorry, I lost you there yeah. for, a, or for, for a tiny second. Mike, we, 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 we're pushing time here. So just tell the audience, you know, uh, uh, we're going we're gonna to put these articles out. We, I, I hope we're not going to just do one. I hope we're going to do many. And, and I hope the audience, this is why I always say to the audience, please support our work because uh, with your support comes our ability to get people like Mike on board, to utilize his, his, his wonderful um, experiences in the world and, and the stories he has to tell and everything that, that, that Mike is going to be working on. You can contribute to helping us do more of this. It's the nationalpulse.com forward slash support Mike if they want the book 15 years of deplorable if they want the book joe biden unauthorized where do they go good www.joebidenunauthorized.com i got a great deal there for a double book you can get both together for a, a special price and 10 percent of all website sales go to the national law enforcement officers memorial fund because blue lives matter and the democratic party has no concept of how to back our blue officers and their families anymore. Mike, you're a, you're you're an absolutely fantastic guy. You're a great patriot, and uh, I look forward to working with you more. Thank you for joining us here today. Thanks, Raheem. You're breaking up a little bit here. All right, thanks, Mike. We'll speak soon. Cheers. All right, I'll call Mike and, uh, and and thank him properly after this. I didn't know if he could hear me right at the end there or not, but you heard it there from somebody, and you can go and check out Mike's background for yourself. Again, one of the mantras of this podcast is always don't take my word for it, and don't even take Mike's word for it. That's why I asked him, hey, are there visitor logs? Can people go in and see this stuff for themselves? Are we going to publish that sort of thing? So people can decide the truth for themselves. And that is... Uh, fundamental fundamental to how we get people back in the groove of appreciating the truth appreciating the truth there there is a lack of appreciation from the truth nowadays in fact on both sides i'd say one side is slightly more out there on that than the other but we're all looking for the narratives all the time but what about the truth the truth has to form the foundation of any legitimate narrative. That's why when I go to any of these other corporate news sites and I look for the source links and the documents and all of that and I can't find them, immediately my trust level goes from, I go in at 5 out of 10, let's be fair, I go in at 5 and if I don't see a source link, it's like a lot of these polls nowadays, I can't find the cross tabs on the polls for the people that don't know what that means, that when a poll is published, it's not just on the website of the Daily Express and it's not just on the website of CNN. It, you go to the pollster. Media organizations partner with pollsters, right? They pick a buddy in the field. They pick a best friend. And whether it's Ipsos Mori or whether it is YouGov or whatever, you, you pick a buddy and you buddy up. And then you do the poll together. So the media organization will typically pay for the poll and the pollster will put the poll in the field, bring back the results and give it back to the media organization. The media organization then has exclusive rights to publish that poll 
But then after the poll is published, or perhaps sometimes in conjunction with publication, the polling organization will put up on its own website, in its research section, the detailed tabs of the poll. And I'm sorry if you know all this already and and, and you think I'm patronizing, but I'm, I'm trying to coach people up who don't know this stuff as well as I am speaking to an audience who does know about these things. So the poll itself, when, when, when the consumer sees it on the news website, you know, they've shrunk it down to 600 words. They may have a graphic in there as well. But when you go and you look at the results of the poll, sometimes these things can be 600 pages deep, depending on how many questions were asked. You look at some of these economist polls, I think it is the economist polls, that are uh, hundreds and hundreds of pages long because they, they divvy everything up uh, by age group, by religious group, by ethnic group by income group, by voter group. You know, all of this stuff is reflected. And so it takes pages and pages of tables and data. And I think for those of you who know me and have, 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 have listened to me for a while, you'll see, you'll have seen me go through some of these polls live on air on camera. And you can probably see a stack of papers. I've got a highlighter out and you usually have a pencil or something. And I'm circling different things because the top lines of the polls as the CNNs and the ABCs and all these guys present them really aren't the most interesting parts. They never report the most interesting parts because the most interesting parts aren't in their favor so i like to go through the crosstabs but even nowadays sometimes you can't find the crosstabs on the pollsters websites they'll just give you even yesterday i was looking at one couldn't find it i think it was ipsos couldn't find it i tweeted at them i said hey look i I like the top lines too but where are the crosstabs i want to go through this stuff i want to see your data and especially because i know i'm going on a whole tangent about polling now but especially when believe me when when i am gibbering off it's controlled, okay? I hate to think what I'll be like in 50 years' time, but for now, it's controlled. When you go and you look through the crosstabs, you find out so much more information. And that's kind of the information I suppose they don't want ordinary people to have anymore. And they don't, especially don't want someone like me to get my hands on that because I can then pass that information on to you. And a lot of these news organizations do the very same thing now with source documents, with source uh, names. You know, people won't go on the record now, so they just go, ah, oh, you know, a source has told me this. Yamish. Yamish. <laughs> what is that woman's name? Yamish Alcinder. I've got to look this up so I don't get accused of butchering her name. Alcindor? Yamish. She, um... She goes on MSNBC. I want to see if I can pull this up and play it for you. She goes on MSNBC, I think it was last night, starts talking about uh, what her sources are telling her. My sources tell me. My sources tell me. Come on, your sources tell you. You're peddling a line that's being pushed upon you by the Biden regime, and you're just doing it. Uh, That is not journalism. I found it. I found it, ladies and gentlemen. I found it. I want to play you this thing. Listen to this. Listen. I wish you could see. I tweeted it, so go over to my Twitter. I wish you could see what uh, what she looks like here when she says this stuff, because even her face, she gives away that she doesn't believe in what she's saying. I wonder how long the Biden administration believes they have the country's patience to ramp up here's this the setup. Here's woefully the inadequate supply of vaccine. And here's Yamish. It's a great question, Nicole, and it really is a question um, that is at the heart of why President Biden 
every time you ask him about almost any topic, he brings it back to the coronavirus and brings it back to what he feels is the urgency that his administration needs to move with in order to get this pandemic under control, because they realize that they're on borrowed time. They're on time where Americans are continuing to see family members die of this pandemic, where people are losing their jobs, where people are getting evicted. America is terrified and completely upended. And at some point, it's going to, of course, get old to say, OK, well, we didn't have a plan. But they're only three weeks in the Biden administration. But at some point, Americans are going to turn around and say, OK, but what are you doing for us now? We hired you to fix this. I will say, though, that the number one thing that I hear from my sources when I say, how bad is it? Is it worse than you thought it was when it comes to the President Trump, former President Trump's response to the virus? Literally nine out of 10 times, they say it's worse than we could have ever imagined. And the 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 sense I get from administration officials is that they are dealing with a situation where President Trump, because he was too distracted with his own failed political fortunes, that he just at some points just stopped caring about the virus. And that really meant that the, the things that need to be getting done while the virus was being developed, they just weren't getting done at all. And I've heard... All right, so let me, let me stop there, right? I'm, I'm, I'm bored of it because I'm having to watch it as well. And she, she can barely spit a sentence out because she's lying. Things kick in when you lie. Physical things kick in when you lie. The face is, is, you know, she's staring dead down the lens. She's trying not to move a muscle. She's stiff. And you can hear the monotony and the tone there as well. That is her trying not to give away. She's lying because people tend to, their voice, their vocal intonation tends to go a certain way when they're lying. But it also tends to stay really flat when they're trying not to be found to be lying. They will keep it speaking at this level and they will talk at a particular rate. You can tell. It's a tell, all of these things. And let me tell you something. I worked in political spin once upon a time. I've had to spin my fair share of reporters on a certain line, a certain thing, a certain policy. Maybe things weren't correct. Maybe a bit of maths was off. Maybe a graphic was wrong. Maybe a candidate had said something that they weren't supposed to say. Believe me, that happened a lot in the UK Independence Party candidates saying things they weren't supposed to say let me tell you what she's doing there she's spinning she's spinning a line she's she's not a political reporter she's a political operative she's not a white house correspondent she's a white house spin merchant she's out there she says she says literally Literally, nine out of ten people that I ask say that the Trump administration left us no plan. What do you what, what do you think is going to happen if you ask people who work in the Biden regime whether or not Trump left you a plan? And by the way, the warp speed plan was developed in conjunction with your hero, Dr. Anthony Fauci. So is she saying that the Biden regime is now saying that Fauci didn't have a plan? Fauci hasn't been doing anything this whole time? He was the one out there saying, yes, the president is listening to the science. He never made me feel unwanted. Yes, it was difficult. And he had his own ideas and everything, but I had no complaints. All Fauci's words. No complaints that they ever tried to sideline me or marginalize me or fire me or anything like that. 
So now Yamish is up there and she's saying, oh, the Trump, the, the nine out of 10, literally nine out of 10 people are telling me that Trump left us no plan. So then why has America been forced to pay for the most expensive bureaucrat in the nation's history, Dr. Anthony Fauci, if he hasn't been developing a plan this whole time? That's a question I'd like answered, please. But will Yamish ask that question of Jen Psaki? And what will Jen Psaki's response be if she does ask that question? I can, I'll circle back if there's more I can share with you, but I'll circle back if there's more to convey. Um, I'll have to just circle back with you. We can circle back. I'm happy to circle back. I can circle back. I will have to circle back on that one, but I'll have to circle back. We'll circle back, circle back, certainly circle back. You didn't think you would get away with an episode without that. It's in my head. <laughs> to quote with Yamish, literally nine out of ten hours of the day. <laughs> so if I have to constantly listen to it in my head, then you have to constantly listen to it with me. That is uh, Jen Psaki with her new hit single, Circle Back. And just before I let you go for the day, ladies and gentlemen, because I'm, I'm running late again today, I want you to understand just how... How difficult and nerve-wracking it is getting from the war room at noon back over to the National Pulse office, pumping out some copy, doing some editing, assigning some stories, talking to some sources, going through some documents, making myself some lunch. I had a broccoli and cheese quiche, if you're wondering. Uh, teeing up the clips, then coming back down here to the studio, hopping on this, recording this, usually an hour, nearly an hour long, 40 minutes to an hour long podcast, and then getting back over to the war room, being prepped enough. And I walk in every time. This is how it goes. I walk in and Steve goes, hey, you seen the uh, the thing? And I'm like, uh, what what thing? He's like, you're not paying attention. Why aren't you paying attention? I said, dude, I just finished recording the podcast. I come straight over here and you've just hit me with the thing. So just just a little insight into my day and my uh, blood pressure levels, ladies and gentlemen. I will be flying to uh, Phoenix tomorrow, so you may not get a show out of me tomorrow. Um, be flying all day or most of the day or literally nine, <laughs> nine out of ten of the day or whatever the, whatever the metric is now. But I wanted to play this for you before um, I leave you because... Jack Posobiec, I noticed, pulled this out on his Twitter, and, and Tom Elliott, I think, at Grabian, pulled this out too. And it, and it relates to Cuomo, uh, and, and I just thought it was just as incomprehensible as a lot of what Biden has been saying. I think it's atrocious that Cuomo's, frankly, not in prison at this point, um, not even really being made to answer tough questions. But he is being asked questions. Here's his response to those questions. Um apologize look i have said repeatedly we made a mistake in creating the void we made a mistake in creating the void when we didn't provide information it allowed press people cynics politicians to fill the void uh when you don't correct disinformation you allow it to continue. And we created the void, not because people weren't working hard, Mike, because you know how hard people were working. Uh, and well, you, you should have prioritized providing more information. Yes, 
Yes. In retrospect, we should have prioritized providing more information. Uh, I get the operational uh, demand. I don't like to second-guess my team. Uh, they were all working 24 hours a day. You know, remember where this was? You're in the middle of hell during this time. But we no excuses. He's still going. No I'm not going to turn this off. He's still going. We should not have non-apology apology. We should have done a better job in prov providing information. We should have done a better job of knocking down the disinformation. You'd never knock down all these conspiracy theories, the political conspiracy theories, because they generate 10 a day. But we should have done a better job of providing as much information as we could, uh, as quickly as we could. And we should have done a better job on that. Uh, yes. And no excuses. Uh, I, I accept responsibility for that. Uh, I am in charge. I take responsibility. Uh, we should have provided more information faster. We were too focused on doing. It's it's. Did you hear anything of any substance there? I, I watched that this morning and I was thinking to myself, what is he actually saying apart from please don't blame me? Blame everyone else. At one point, he goes into talking about political conspiracy theories. He's being asked to apologize for murdering people as a result of bad policy. And the hubris that he... Listen, listen. This guy, remember, was on television every morning giving a press conference. Remember he had his white polo shirt on and he'd go down there to the, to the big building. They were holding all these press conferences out. And he's like, we've got it all under control. New York's leading the way. The president sucks, etc., etc. We all thought he was running for president at the time as a result. Turns out he was busy murdering people. And now when he's asked to apologize, he starts rambling on about voids and conspiracy theories. This is a disgrace. And I don't mean a political disgrace. I don't mean a national disgrace. Yes, of course it's all of those things. And of course I would say that. Right? I'm not I'm not breaking the mold by being a conservative that doesn't like a, a leftist. Got that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about it being a moral disgrace. It's a moral failure on behalf of Andrew Cuomo, on behalf of the people around him, on behalf of the people who elected him, on behalf of his brother who has gone on television and defended him and joked and jostled around with him and massive Q-tips and all of that stuff while people were dying in just their thousands and thousands as a result of his policies. As a result of his policies, I'm going to say it one more time, because the charge is often leveled at President Trump. Hey, so many hundreds of thousands of Americans have died of COVID. Whereas actually, the, the death rate fell within the number of people that were predicted to die of this by the very first models. It fell in line with what we know about obese people, about people with heart disease, about people with pre-existing conditions, about elderly people. 
all of that was known, it was factored in. But Andrew Cuomo and, and, and New York's position on this, and where New York has come out as a result of all of this, look at the averages compared to the rest of the country. And that's not even considering, I mean, you can, you can factor in population density and proximity and all of this into that. And New York still is ahead, above, far beyond the rest of the country. So it is a moral failure that Andrew Cuomo would go up there and talk about conspiracy theories and voids, except that you killed people and resign your office, sir. It is the only moral thing to do. Search your soul. Read your Bible. How could you possibly believe that you're fit for office after doing that? This isn't making a joke about grabbing a you-know-what on a bus with Billy Bush. This is tinkering with, toying with, and joking around with people's lives, and they died. Finally, before I let you go and now sprint across to the war room, I want to leave you with what Jen Psaki was asked today, which is specifically regarding this regime's approach to funding abortions with taxpayer money that is supposed to be used for relief for you, for COVID relief for you. Here's the question that she was asked, and her diabolical answer. EWTN, Global Catholic Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, regarding the American Rescue Plan, groups like pro-life groups, including the Susan B. Anthony list, very concerned that millions of U.S. taxpayer dollars will go to the abortion industry in violation of the Hyde Amendment. We know where President Biden stands on the Hyde Amendment, but that being said, can this administration right now guarantee, if the American Rescue Plan is passed, that no taxpayer dollars will go to the abortion industry? Which component of the American Rescue Plan are you referring to? By the way, that this moment is genius. And it's genius because the EWTN reporter, Owen Jensen, he was asked that question by Saki, which part are you referring to, as a means by which to throw him off and blow him off. Right? She was assuming hoping she thought she knew that he didn't know which section of the rescue plan this was in and so she interjects to say which part and he's gonna go oh i actually don't know and then she can be like ah well come back to me when you do know and ask a specific question she tried it she tried it you heard her right there she tried bless her which component of the american rescue plan are you referring to I pull it up right here. Uh, a $50 million funding increase for the Title X program. Uh, $750 million for global health activities and billions in funding for community health centers without applying the Hyde Amendment. Well, the President's uh, view on the Hyde Amendment is well known, as you have stated in your question. He also believes that community health centers are a uh, key um, part of addressing the pandemic, of ensuring that people in communities uh, have access to vaccines, have access to treatment and information about uh, about um, making sure they're healthy and their loved ones are healthy. So that remains a priority to the president. 
he's shared his view on the Hyde Amendment. Uh, I don't think I have anything new for you. Okay, to follow up on that, can he guarantee Americans who don't want their tax dollars, pro-life Americans who don't want their tax dollars, funding abortion? Can, well, he, can the administration guarantee those tax dollars won't well, be abortion? Well, I, I think, Owen, as I've just noted, three-quarters of the public supports uh, the components of the package, wants to see the pandemic get under control, wants to see people put back to work, vaccines and arms. So I think that answers your question. Okay, we're going to move on. Go ahead and then. Does it? I didn't think that answered the question at all. In fact, I think that did everything but answer the question. That was the total opposite of answering the question. That was an obfuscation, and it was, again, a moral obfuscation from the press podium there in the White House for taxpayers who don't want your tax money paying for abortions in the COVID rescue plan. Tough. They're going there anyway. How does the time go? Did, did this feel like an hour to you? It did not feel like an hour to me. Mike McCormick is just a fantastic guest. You need to go and get the book Joe Biden unauthorized. You please, please, please need to share this podcast with as many of your friends and family members as possible. Tell them, don't just listen, but subscribe as well. Go onto your podcast platform of your choice. There are plenty to choose from. Search The National Pulse. Hit that subscribe button. Every time you subscribe on every different platform, we go up and up the rankings. When we go up the rankings, we show in the charts to more people, and therefore more people are exposed to the truth. They are exposed to Raheem. Raheem is exposing himself to them. Help me expose myself to people. <laughs> I want to thank you for tuning in today. Again, I uh, I may or may not be able to do one tomorrow. I'm going to try and figure that out. I have some portable kit, but we'll see. And help me out, by the way. I'm giving this speech for Hillsdale on Thursday on the future of the Never Trump movement, where I think those lemmings should go. Drop us a line. There's a tips part of the website. Tweet at me. Gab at me. All of the above. In the live chats. Telegram. Telegram. Get on Telegram. Find us on Telegram. Very important. I'll keep saying Telegram. (laughs) All right. I'll see you soon.